You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Tuesday, January the 30th, a bit more timely today. Though still in recovery mode, I think. It's grey and cool here in TW11 this morning. And we look ahead to the Dublin Racing Festival, to the action domestically this weekend as well, as Sandown and Musselburgh, and of course beyond, because uh, at this time of year you are seeing everything, whether you like it or not, through the prism of which horses might run where at the Cheltenham Festival. Plus we've got a particularly uh, interesting edition of our segment in association with Weatherby's a little bit later on as we head to a, a swashbuckling young stallion master who believes he's on to something. More of that in a few moments' time. Lydia Hislop joins me today. Lydia, a few things have been exercising you about running plans. Uh, what, what were the key questions you were rolling around in your mind this morning? Well, I was wanting to know what Paul Nichols was going to do. It's great that he has got such a strong hand in the novice chasers. He's got Ginny's Destiny, who continues on a sharply upward project, uh, um, trajectory, even um, after his win at Cheltenham on Saturday. Stay away, Faye, who ran really well against more experienced horses. And then, of course, we've got Hermes Allen, who would have been a very impressive winner of the Quarter Star were it not for Ilé Francais. And he did try and put it down to him three out, having been the one that chased him most closely throughout. So I think that was a, a performance that might be underestimated. So he's running in the City Isles this Saturday at Sandown. That looks like a really interesting race. There's lots of angles from it. So those were the things that were really top of my list. Well, I began by asking the champion trainer what he felt the optimum distance was for MS Allen based on what he's seen so far. That is a good question. Um, that is a good question. I mean, it, 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 the other day in the quarter star, the French horse and have been in the race. He'd have probably won quite nicely and said, well, three miles suits him well on an easy track. Um, he's going Saturday. Obviously, Sandown's a bit of a stiff track, so that'll tell us a lot more. He's in both races at Cheltenham. But he, he is a sort of horse. I haven't spoken to the owners, and this will be the first time I've heard about this. Could easy run here, go for the Pendle Novice Chase at Kempton at the end of February, and then go to Aintree. Um, I've always thought a flat track suits him quite well. Um, but that's just one thought I've got. And of course, to, you know, to what extent is that informed by the fact that you could have Ginny's Destiny in the Turners and you could have Stay Away Faye in the Brown and, you know, you've, you've possibly got options in those races. Yeah, well, uh, obviously Stay Away Faye's now gone up today to 159, which is a hell of a high rating. Uh, um, so he's going to run in the Brown Advisory. I've took him out of the Gold Cup. He's going to run in the Brown Advisory. There's no question that that'll be his next run. And Junior's Destiny is like a massive improver. I think he's gone up now to 155, something like that. So he, those two are the, nearly the highest rated novice chasers in the UK. And then, then there's Hermes just behind them. So Junior's Destiny of 155, that's higher rating, I think, than what Staystar ran last year. He's got to run in the Turners, you know. Um, so it's a nice problem to have. I, I was quite struck. I was watching uh, Racing TV's coverage. I was away and I was watching Racing TV's coverage at the weekend. You were talking to Nar, and you kept saying, every time we asked you a question, you kept saying, it's proper horses, proper horse, a really good horse. I'm like, God, you, you must be seeing quite a lot at home as well as on the track. 
he showed amazing improvement since the start of the season. Obviously, I didn't have him last year. He needed his first run. He came in a bit heavy, and he was one of those horses he didn't want to kill. And I knew he'd need the run, but from each run, he's just taken a step forward, and he, he's been working with the smart horses and just keeps improving. And um, I was fairly confident he'd win on Saturday. What I've seen at home doesn't always work out like that, but I'd say he is a smart horse, and he, he's an uncomplicated horse. He's relaxed. He jumps and he keeps galloping. And when you when you first had him, you didn't imagine that you'd maybe get to these sort of heights with him. No idea. I mean, he, he ran well in one novice hurdle last year. I think that Leamington Spa with, with some okay horses, he ran okay. But I mean, the improvement in him physically and everything he's done has been incredible, really. Um, how busy are you going to be this weekend? Oh, very, very. Um, we will have, I reckon, four or five at Sandown on Saturday, obviously including Hermes LN. And could have five or six Saturday and Sunday up in Musselburgh. Okay, and who would be the ones you're most looking forward to? Um, well, obviously Hermes LN. We're looking forward to seeing him run. Got a nice horse, good one three five. Not out of the Stuart family to the novice handicap Saturday. He's quite nice. Um, and then on on Musselburgh, we're just looking at through the entries there. On on Saturday, we've got any man. There's Truckers Lodge and then Rillo in a hundred grand four mile race. Um, possibly run Affordill in the county handicap hurdle and Fernogi in the stairs novice hurdle and then on Sunday which obviously Harry can go and ride up there um, Lyari runs in the juvenile hurdle um, something in the what they call the Scottish Supreme Novice Hurdle probably Panjari and there's an 80,000 man handicap up there so all credit to Musselboro which April Peter's going to run in so plenty of opportunities this weekend and hopefully plenty of opportunities for Harry and you've taken Grenatine out of the champion chasing Ryanair this morning. What's up with him? It's like, I mean, he's had a few little issues. I'm going to leave him to next season, that's all. He had a tiny, tiny little hairline fracture, and we got it right. And then as soon as we start doing a little bit, he's just a bit sore. So we've just, that's ah, pointless getting him out. We'll just get him right for next season. That was Paul Nichols, and I, I'm very grateful to an eagle-eyed correspondent who spotted that Grenatine had been taken out of the champion chase in the Ryanair, something I would have not noticed had you not given me a sharp nudge in the <laughs> ribs. So that's that little fracture out for the season. Yeah, that's a that's a real shame. Uh, we hadn't seen him since since last April. He's a talented horse, and uh, so it was when it was you'd sent me what Paul had said earlier about the the novice chasers, and uh, I went to check that Stay Away Faye had actually been withdrawn from the Gold Cup, which he had, and that's when I picked up the Grenadine news as well. So I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm glad it's not really serious. All right, so Stay Away Faye out of the Gold Cup. I never felt that that was a a sort of full throated. Um, bid really did you i i no. sort of felt it was there maybe just in case sort of thing but the the brown it, looks a good spot for him doesn't it? it 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 does i mean i can see where it's coming from it it seemed it seemed from the outside i could be wrong that it was sort of owner generated and i do understand where that came from they feel he is a thoroughstayer a galloper a horse that will be most suited to the new course i.e where the gold cup is run the only problem with that of course is that it pitches you as an inexperienced novice in against uh very good horses in a year where you know you've got an exceptional title holder of the race galloping de champ and a horse it like fast or slow who we're going to discuss later who has twice beaten that horse so you know it's it's not a it's not a, a small thing to go into um the gold cup company there I, he did hit a flat spot, stay away, Faye, during the, the Cotswold chase. I do wonder whether the constantly turning, sharper, brown advisory uh, race is going to suit him quite as well. However, I thought he acquitted himself very well. Um, I thought he would, it, it sort of slightly unnerved me that he went out to his right and, and then rallied. I, I thought he'd probably um, be able to stay 
on or maintain his ground against the real Wacker and maybe finish second. But nonetheless, in terms of was that a great performance from a novice against more experienced horses? Yes, it was. Very encouraging. What did you make of his comments about Hermes Allen and the idea that he could go to this race, then the Pendle, and then Miss Cheltenham and go to Aintree? Well, as you I, know, go I wasn't on. sure all the owners were fully aware of that project as yet. No. Well, as you know, when we were discussing who we might speak to today, I was wondering whether one of those three might be an Aintree project rather than a Cheltenham project. And my sense would be that it would be Hermes Allen. So I, I kind of I'm not surprised by the Pendle Aintree route. I can see the argument. Um, and I, I, I think this is a, a very smart horse. But I think Ginny's Destiny is a very smart horse as well. He is moving. He has muscled his way out of handicap company and into the forefront of consideration for the Turners by dint of being really, I mean, if we contrast this horse to um, stay away fame, I, I suppose he's switching from the, from the old course to the new course, but no, nonetheless, uh, he showed, showed his prowess on both tracks, Ginny's destiny, but he has shown himself to be particularly suited to the way that races can pan out at Cheltenham up front in the Harry Cobden position, generally controlling the race and Ginny's destiny. Harry has described him as being very rideable before he doesn't, have to lead but he 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 can be prominent he jumps really well and i think we just don't know the bottom of him yet because he's just progressive all the time well Hermes allen if you talk about him you have to talk about the horse that beat him at uh, kempton over christmas il est francais uh, there was a report in the sporting life on sunday but it, it sort of seems to have di disappeared and no one really kind of took much notice of it so i i wanted to give it due prominence and put in a call to trainer Noel George just to establish fully whether uh, Ile Francais would indeed miss the Cheltenham Festival and if that were the case, the reasons why. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we had a big frost and snow for a week and he missed a week's work. So, yeah, that definitely um, means that we're not going to come. Was it something you would you were genuinely entertaining or were you just sort of sliding it in there as a, an outside possibility? No, it, it was just sort of, it was just an option to have. Um, if the race had really cut up and the timing fell right, we'd definitely have thought about it. But as it is, um, we're not going to be ready. So um, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go for the French Gold Cup in May. Okay, so the Grand Steep de Paris is the is the big target for him. You ran up. A horse called Milantino at the weekend in that Triumph Hurdle trial. You've probably got a pretty good idea what you think that form is worth, how good you think your horse is, um, and, and what these juveniles are like. What was your take on it? Um, I mean, Sergino was very impressive. He won the Wild Monarch um, in the, early in the spring. Uh, for a big horse to have done what he did early on in the spring was very impressive. And he's obviously just kept improving. Um, where I don't think, I'm not sure whether we'll be coming to the festival. Um, it, there's a very good program for Milantino in Otoy um, for the leading up to the four-year-old champion hurdle. Um, but uh, he'll definitely be a lovely novice chaser next year. Mm. And is there anything you might bring to, to the festival? Is there anything that, that might come? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we'll have one this year, but next year I'm kind of... I think we'll have a decent enough team, which is exciting and um, could potentially be bringing one to Aintree, but we need to work out um, whether that the timing is going to work out. Okay, who's that? Who's that? Uh, well, he's a new horse to the yard. Um, 
I, I don't want to be saying any plans officially yet, but um, because I haven't discussed it with the owner, but it's definitely an option. Um, I was called Gen- General on Chef. That was Noel George, who's suffering with tonsillitis, but manfully, manfully stayed on uh, to the end there. Uh, and it, it, although, again, that was never really a massive goer, there was just that door left half ajar. It is now firmly shut, Lydia. Yeah, well, it's it's good to know where we are with the horse. And uh, I'm glad, glad you explained Noel, Noel's throaty voice. I was wondering whether he was coming down with something. Um, I thought that Milantino did the stable proud at Cheltenham on Saturday, a much better performance than previously under more positive tactics good looking horse i expect he's going to be a very nice novice chaser next season and it was although it's a shame that the stable um noel george and amanda zetta home aren't going to be represented at cheltenham they think this season it sounds as though they will be from next season onwards so that is exciting to look forward and clearly il est francais the most exciting novice chaser on well anywhere in europe Yes, yeah, so we will be minus Ile Francais, and as we heard last week, we will be minus Telem. But there are definite signs that good French horses are starting to target big UK races, which adds plenty uh, to this festival and to the rest of the racing pattern throughout the year. A horse who will be taking on MS Allen this weekend is the Kim Bailey trained Trelawne, who looked a uh, how can we put it, Lydia? What's the kindest way of putting it? How did he look at Lydia okay. Weatherby? Quirky. Hmm. Okay. Well, this is what his trainer had to say about his uh, his prospects of of landing the silly isles at Sandown on Saturday. Uh, really interesting because obviously have cheek pieces on for the first time, um, which could make a big difference. It, well, they should they should make a big difference given what he did at Weatherby. It is it, it's not a left right handed thing, is it? Is it more just a, is it more just whatever's going on between his ears? I think it's a question of what's going on between his ears because he dropped the last in front at Exeter and joined us on the paddock, um, which is left-handed, um, and whether he did that. So, we, you know, we went left-handed on purpose to try and avoid that happening. Um, it's the first time he's, ever, he's actually been in front in a race, which probably doesn't suit him, uh, but he had to make the running himself, so he was never particularly happy. Um, he, he is quirky, but with a huge amount of ability. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Let's face it; you've got enough context to um, to relate him to. It, you do you believe he's a genuine Grade One horse. I do. Um, I hope that he proves it one day. Um, he's lacking a lot of racing experience. That's his biggest problem. You know, we've been very mindful of him. He wants very soft ground, and bizarrely, we really haven't had it this year for him because the race he needs to run in, they haven't, it hasn't been soft enough for him. But, you know, Sandown probably won't be soft enough for him either. But the waiting, the alternative waiting to go to the grade two at um, Asker for the Reynolds Town, but the forecast being what it is, it'll be even worse. So it'll be even drier. So we, we'd rather have to go where we can when we can. Uh, what are you thinking about beyond beyond this weekend? I think get this weekend for he has an entry in, a, in, a, in an obvious chase and you'll probably have an entry in a handicap chase um, uh, at Cheltenham, uh, but they don't close for quite a while yet. So, you know, we'll learn an awful lot more this weekend. Um, what about Chianti Classico? I, I was impressed with his with his effort in defeat the other day. Are you still looking at the, the three and three quarter mile national hunt chase for him? Uh, no, we had a conversation with the owners yesterday and we are going, um, his next run will all be well, Bill Yeltsin has handicap at Cheltenham, a race that we were second in three or four years ago was, was uh, um, happy go lucky. Okay, and what, what swayed you that way rather than, rather than the conditions race? 
Um, basically, because of amateur situations, it's not the easiest find to find a really good amateur. Because at the end of it, um, you know, the good Irish amateur will probably be attached to their own yards. Um, first time out around Cheltenham, you probably want a little bit of experience, and they're very keen that David Bash should ride him. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so it makes sense to go for that particular race, really. That was Kim Bailey, right? Cheek pieces on, uh, and that's clearly what is required. Definitely. Uh, I said quirky earlier, you asked me to be polite. Nemesis of David Bass, maybe, is another way of doing it. As Kim was explaining there, it's not the first time that Trelawne has done something like he did at, at Weatherby in the Towton. Um, and I do think he very much needed cheek pieces. Getting a lead will also be handy. Uh, he's definitely a horse of ability. We know that his form ties in closely with uh, Ginny's Destiny and Grey Dawning. And both of those horses have clearly advertised how good they are. So this horse is right in the mix. I also think he's going to do better over further. He just needs to imply himself in the right way. And I was also... Um, Pleased to hear that Chianti Classico is going for the Ultima rather than the National Hunt Chase. I think that's the right decision, partly for the one um, cited, the availability of David Bass rather than for the amateurs for the National Hunt Chase. But also because I just think a handicap is what is the right race for him. He's on a, on a, a viable mark and it's a race, as Kim said, he was second with Happy Go Lucky back in 2021. But he also won it with Betty's Boy, I remember, when I was working for the Standard. Um, and so this is a, a race he does well in and Chianti Classico looks well suited to the task we better stick to talking about the british horses in britain because there won't be any british horses in ireland at the weekend no it's a shame isn't the it? entries shame. were the entries were burdett road where he ran mm. last weekend and boot hill and i i think that's a no-go now isn't it mm, it, it it seems to be so it seems to be so uh it's a real shame um and it is reflective of the relative strength between what British trainers have at the moment and what Irish trainers have at the moment, I think. Uh, it is pretty amazing, even by his own standards and even by those by which we judge him, just how loaded Willie Mullins is. And you, your mind goes back to Patrick Mullins. I think it was round about November saying kind of, you ain't seen nothing yet, which sort of sent a shiver down everybody's spine. Uh, we might just come back to that in a moment. The one man who may stand in his way in the Irish Gold Cup is JJ Slevin, who rides fast or slow. Now, Lydia pointed out to me that it wasn't 2-0 uh, fast or slow Galapande, Sean, that in fact it, was, um, it wasn't it uh, was 2-0, it was 2-1, because when fast or slow was coming up through the ranks, he was in in the backwash in Galapande, Sean's John Durkin at Punchestown last season. Um, but recently, fast or slow has uh, uh, beaten him both times, both times at Punchestown. And then, of course, Galapan Deschamps was imperious over Christmas time. So I asked the, the rider, JJ Slevin, what his prospects were of uh, beating the, the Gold Cup hero once again. Yeah, he's in really good form there, Nick. Um, luckily, he, he's been doing everything right there the last few weeks, walking well and schooling well. So looking forward to him now. And Martin made the decision at Christmas not to run in the in the race behind Galapin Deschamps on very soft ground. Um, do you believe that will be an advantage to you come the weekend? I think so. Look, at, um, it's going to be an advantage anyway for the spring long term. I think it's going to be an advantage getting a gruder there at Christmas. Uh, might have set him on, on the back foot. So, look, he's going there fresh and well. So, it's hopeful, you know. We just have to ride the race as it falls and you know, ride our lad to his strengths. He's oh, that's pretty, pretty uncomplicated. You can ride him anyway, so just have to keep an eye on Paul and see what he does. And I, I'm sure Paul will want a good, honest test. It'll be a good, 
honest run race and sure hopefully both horses get a good clean shot at winning and may the best horse win then you know do you think fast or slow is still improving yeah i think so he's still a young horse you know he's still on the upgrade i believe and uh yeah, there's every chance he's still getting better you know Mr. Martin leaves no stone unturned and very meticulous in his in his planning before a big race and look at the horses you know they get they get every every need that they want and um, look at all Martin's runners are going to be going there and fighting fit harder and uh, looking forward to the weekend really you know uh, how busy are you going to be at the weekend yeah look we're going to have bits and pieces obviously Joseph has a few uh, Bustleton is in there uh, he look at he's a good honest Handicap chaser won a Kerry National, ran well there in the Paddy Power. So, look, at he, he's a, a right good, honest horse. Solness is in there, he's been doing well in the two mile handicaps. He's up to near 150 there now. But same same story, he liked the track, he's been around there before. I think like Brucey offers Stuart Crawford, an authorised mayor, won in England last day. She's got 10 2 on her in a valuable handicap hurl. So, she's well worth a punt at a big hot. So, look, at we just hope for the best. And sure, if we could get one, we'll be happy. All right, that was JJ Slevin. And I suppose the key, Lydia, is what you now make of Galapin Deschamps' victory uh, over Christmas and whether you think it was completely for real or whether there were an awful lot of horses who didn't do an awful lot behind him. Uh, I think it's a bit of both. I think all of his opposition finished very tired, uh, but I do think it was also a measure of his dominance of the scene. Um, so, yes, I, I, I think it's it's for real myself. You? Well, yeah, I, I believe him to be on his day the the very best. I don't, I don't think I I will uh, flinch from that view. However, I do think that the drier the ground becomes, the less his advantage is. Interesting. Okay, um, I hadn't I hadn't really thought about a, a ground based argument against him. I think he's one expand. of those, he's one of those rare horses who's got loads and loads of class, but also is so effective in in deep ground or really just is completely unbothered by it that if it does get deep and it's even more of a test of stamina he can just keep gliding along i mean he's got loads yeah. of form on a sound surface i'm not saying yeah. he can't he can't win and win well on a sound surface i just think his advantage is greater on soft ground particularly against fast or slow for example well probably it, there's an argument that other horses would underperform more 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 than him um I, I just don't i don't really i don't i don't see a a, a flaw in in galloping to Sean. my concern at the start of the season was that his jumping wasn't back on it but returning to more positive tactics and the Savile's chase seemed to work I don't think he'll be ridden in the same way as he was in the Gold Cup last year where he was behind horses and losing ground at some of his fences just I think probably a function of being in the pack um, in the early part of the, the race although the jumping wasn't completely smooth um, he wasn't at his best jumping wise in the John Durkin I think it was you know at the end of a long season when he was beaten by Faster Slow at Punchestown I also think that he and Envoy Allen and Brave Man's Game got going a long way out which left them vulnerable to Faster Slow I am not doing Dan Faster Slow in any kind of way because I still think that he is a potent force Okay so just looking through these races at the weekend what do you reckon? How would you how would you bet in terms of number of Mullins winners? 
Well, I haven't thought about it from a from that that total point of view. Where 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 are you with it? I mean, if we go through them, I mean, he's got a very strong chance in the very opening race with Predators Gold. That's that looks to me like a horse that's going to improve for for a step up in trip straight away. The Spring Juvenile, he's mob handed in. Absolutely, be very surprising if he didn't win that. Well, he's basically he's basically fours on to win that, isn't he? Or fives on to win that. Marine National pulls one back for, for the opposition, you would expect. Although if Gaelic Warrior runs yeah. there, it's going to be a very interesting clash, that. It is. I presume Gaelic Warrior will just try and gallop the gallop the speed out of Marine National. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's not possible. Who knows? Uh, there's back plenty to given... file Grange Clare West in the Ladbrokes Novice. Oh, Grange Clare West looked ever so good last time, didn't he? He did. He really so, did. so did Factor File, to be honest. <laughs> Ireland, uh, maybe the novice hurdle is a little bit more open, but Ballyburn did look very good over two and a half last time. He might not win the bumper if a dream to shares in there. Yeah. But then again, he's got plenty to go at. And would... we're talking about new blood as well, fresh blood horse, a whole generation of horses that a dream to share hasn't encountered yet. So, you know, I'm I'm fairly open minded about that. There's no there's no correlative form there that to speak uh, of that I, I can think of anyway. I'll put it at seven to eight. There you go. El Fabiolo and Dino Blue and Gentleman Demi. He's got not only the favourite in the Dublin Chase, but also the two horses. Oh, that okay, are... eight, eight to nine. <laughs> Irish Champion Hurdle, State Man in Pari Pass. Maybe yeah. ten. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a serious point. I'm trying to find. I'm pretty certain there is that there was an article talking about whether the domination of one stable at the Dublin Racing Festival is really a good thing for racing. And I know I think that that was then further picked up and there will be political angles to that as well which might not not might not be as straightforward as they seem on first glance but um there was much discussion uh towards the end of april start of may the point being that there is that the the public money um government funding um uh the redistribution of, of betting tax to irish racing and essentially whether it's just going towards one stable and i know that ruby walsh uh, was moved to uh, talk in the Irish Independence about how that actually is, uh, you know, the money to leading owners in Irish racing is uh, is going into people who actually are at the coalfront, coalface of Irish racing, you know, the trainer, the jockey, all of the people who are working. He said, um, that's the model. It's not going into anybody's pocket. Willie is earning money. Paul Tannen is earning money. And so are all the people that work for him. But they're all paying tax on all of that too. It's not this golden egg that someone is running away with the trickle down economics actually add up so this is a this is a conversation within within Ireland in terms of how racing is funded and something that the sport has had to at least mount a defense of what do you think about it the domination of Willie Mullins well the thing is what what are you proposing to do about it Indeed. that's that that's the key and whilst the argument about loading horses in in handicaps and whether you might only be able to run four was one that appeared to hold a little bit of water. I certainly don't see how you could apply that in um, in graded races or in in most of the races that Willie Mullins is contesting this weekend. Definitely uh, not. I'm people will say, okay, in Japan they limit trainers to how many horses they can have, uh, but I'm not sure that the trainers there have anything like the same uh, autonomy or 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 self employment status as do the the trainers in in Britain or Ireland nor are the trainers in in Britain and Ireland themselves um government subsidized if that makes any sense it does it does uh, so and- I, 
I don't really see how you could get away with this in 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 any in any normal sense of 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 business competition. Yes, I suppose. I mean, you know, just to 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 make the point that you know we the racing fan wants to see the best horses in the best races in the graded races we want to see the best horses turning up and Willie Mullins is prepared to run his best horses against each other in the Dublin Racing Festival before then sending them over to Cheltenham so you are actually seeing clashes and some of them were turned over last year so there were exciting races it's not as if they're one-sided in that kind of sense there might be one or two races that do look that way but you know generally it doesn't usually pan out but i suppose that it's more i think that this is being used as a wider argument about whether um, horse racing should be funded in the way that it currently is in ireland and obviously that also ignores how much more money irish racing brings to the government coffers than is invested in it and interestingly enough, part of uh, Willie Mullins' dominance has come from his ability to get such a broad range of powerful owners from either side of the Irish Sea. And quite often, when a trainer starts to dominate, they are dominate. They are so heavily reliant on perhaps one or two key patrons. In this case, not so much. Um, Tony Bloom is uh, probably a fair way down the list, but he's a very important owner for Willie Mullins, who's trained him in Argument, of course, and Stratum to win the the Stayers Hurdle. And I'll bring you news of Energumen in a few moments' time because I put in a call to Sean Graham, Tony's racing manager, to talk about the two horses that were entered at the Dublin Racing Festival this weekend. In a moment, the a rather exciting juvenile hurdle at Bunting. But first of all, um, Willie Wonty, uh, Il Atlantique, who was second in the Lawlers of Nace last time. Straight after the Lawlers of Nace race, and about a week after, Willie said that it looked like he'd had a, he'd had a hard enough race and I said, "Well, when when we run again before Cheltenham, he says, look, we'll give him an entry in the in 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 Leperstown, but he'd be leaning towards not running him and keeping him fresh for Cheltenham. So, um, um, I haven't spoken to Willie in the last four or five days, so I I honestly don't know. <laughs> okay, so he. I say, I say even if he's been left in those races, there's a there's a chance that he he, he might not run. Okay, and what about Bunting? Bunting, Bunting definitely goes to the Spring Juvenile, yes. Again, yeah, he's he's um, he's in the entries. He'd be he'd be declared the five day stage. Uh, he he sort of did a lot wrong on his um, on his debut at, at Limerick, and that, you know his his jumping. He was a, a bit sky high at a few of his hurdles, and he he, he learned a lot from that. Um, and that was only his second ever race. He'd only ever won one race in France before then, so. There's bundles of improvement to come with him, and um, as as long Touchwood, as long as nothing goes wrong between now and then, um, I'd fully expect to see him there. Mm. You you you're experienced enough now in dealing with the yard to know vibes when you think you've got a good one on your hands. Are you pretty confident you've got one that can take high order in graded company? Yeah, well, look, I think I think his recent post rating figure from his first run at Limerick was 116. That's, that's you need to be doing 130 odds on mid 130s or 140s to win a triumph hurdle so the horse is still a long way off that but, but he's open to an awful lot of improvement from his first run and certainly going straight from a maiden hurdle into a grade one is a big step but the fact that Willie um, have no hesitation out doing for it is, is a, it, you know, is a good sign Sean how's Energumen getting on? Uh, great. Um, 
the, the vets are um, very pleased with his progress. Um, he had, I think, 68 weeks box rest when the injury was first diagnosed. He's now walking every day and he's shown no ill effects of it. I think we'll get him scanned again, um, I think, at the end of this month to make sure everything's going okay. But, look, I, I think Willie did say to, say to us, look, you probably, if you really rushed him back, you could get him back for Punchstown. But I think we made the decision, no, um, he's too good a horse to risk rushing him back and we'll give him all the time he needs. So hopefully you'll see him back on the track next season. Good stuff. Sean, thanks so much. Anytime, Nick. Take care. All right, it's Tuesday. You know what that means. We go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's. And this week to Ireland, to Town, to Diamond Stud, bought in 2021 by Kiranda Barra, who is now standing the ultra-tough Marie's Diamond, who is a, a fascinating stallion prospect, one in whom Kiran believes incredibly strongly, and he, he joins me now. Uh, tell us a little bit about your own background, because it's not one that would necessarily be conventional for somebody who's setting out in the business of, of standing stallions. Yeah, it's definitely uh, less conventional, that'd be true. Um, I suppose I didn't come from any background in bloodstock. Um, my dad was into horse racing and it would often be on the telly of a Saturday. But besides that, um, my childhood wasn't immersed in it. But uh, I just I got interested in the sport um, when I actually got an injury from playing Gaelic football. And I was looking for something to fill the void. And it was Henry the Navigator, a new approach on a Saturday in May up the Curra. It was on the telly that Dad had it on. And uh, just the way Henry the Navigator sprinted by new approach just absolutely just sucked me in that day. And um, it wasn't long after that that I was actually working in the industry. I just absolutely caught the bug and um, had to be involved in it at that stage. In my career, I was actually studying to be an accountant, but um, I put that I put that well and truly on hold. I don't think we could say it's on hold anymore, but I went off and I, I went to Kentucky and got experience and I was working in different stud firms, worked in Kedra House Stud and worked at the Irish National Stud and been breeding on my own, uh, in my own right there and bought the farm in Bedestown then in 21 and... Um, it's ready, ready for its uh, first stallion now. So that's where we're at. That's a, a very condensed version of events. <laughs> so you were a pretty handy Gaelic footballer. You could easily have been an accountant and you've been bitten by the racing bug. So you're part sportsman, part dreamer, part pragmatist. Sounds like an ideal combination to me. Which of those do you, you cleave towards the most as a description? Well, I'd say my wife would definitely say the dreamer pair should be um, high up there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, definitely I'd say I'm a pragmatist, the sports person. I probably wasn't as handy a Gaelic footballer as I'd like to be. But um, but uh, yeah, no, um, look, I think we're all, as breeders, we're all kind of buying into a dream. Um, and we're all trying to breed that group horse that next star and I'm very blessed now at Diamondstone Bellystown to have what was a really, you know, great star. Um, as you said, a lot of people have know Marie's Diamond. He was a, a stalwart of the game um, for a long time and 
yeah, I'm very blessed to have him now. A proper, a proper racehorse and a proper stallion's prospect. So we're looking forward to managing this next stage of his career. All right, talk, talk, talk to me about sourcing the horse and how long it took you to alight on the right opportunity and why, when the opportunity presented itself, you thought it was the one to go with. Um, so... Um, I had been, so the, as I said, I bought the farm in 2021 and so it's taken a while. It was in crop when I bought it. So I had to get it in grass and I had it fenced. I had it all lovely there in the summertime and I I had looked into a few stallions prior to um, this year, just, you know, making inquiries um, and uh, Marie's Diamond, he was just... He was entered to race and obviously knew that he was a very decent horse, um, you know, and he had a real good profile. He was obviously he raced um, and was very sound, which is obviously a plus in my mind, but it also made him um, available and a, a viable prospect to purchase. So when I saw he was entered, I just I. I rang Roger Fell about him and they were interested in selling and um, Roger had all the right things to say about the horse and um, I went to see him and everything looked good and I think because he, he raced for so long um, it meant I didn't actually have to you know, compromise on anything. He had the physical, he had the race record, he has... A fantastic pedigree, you know, being from the champion Cinder's family, being a half brother to a, a Group One miler, and um, be, uh, being out of a dam that's seven runners, seven winners from seven folds. Um, so I didn't have to compromise on anything because, you know, the fact that he ran for so long put him maybe out of most people's minds, or you know, I wasn't maybe having the same competition that if he was retired. A little bit earlier, I would mm. have, you know. I, I've got a question for you, which you may know the answer to. I don't. Is there a stallion standing in Ireland, Britain, Europe, anywhere, who's had in excess of 65 career runs? No, there is not. He's the only one in the stud book. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is pretty remarkable. Um, as an entire, and, and I noted that he'd had twenty runs by the end of his three-year-old season, and he still was achieving three-figure racing post ratings even after about fifty-five runs. Exactly, you know, just just as a six-year-old, there he was only beaten the length and a half by triple time in the Superior Mile at Haydock. So you know, he was mixing it with the best of the best all along. So you know, as a two-year-old, he won the Anglesey. He was fourth in the middle park to 10 sovereigns as a three-year-old he was third to space blues you know then he at royal ascot he was third to circus maximus in the group one queen Anne stakes and as i said he was uh, just a length and a half beaten into third by triple time you know so he was mixing it with you know proper horses all through his career so you know he's it's it's a real it's a real plus it's a real um you know it's really something that we should be looking for uh, in racehorses that they have this soundness and as you say he was holding his form you know for the majority of those starts mm. like so so who's who do, who do you think he's going to appeal to both in terms of physique and pedigree because he's got a he's got quite a traditional classic sort of pedigree rather than a whiz bang let's have you at five furlongs as a two-year-old type pedigree yeah yeah but 
equally, he won his maiden over five in April of his two-year-old career. So, you know, so he's he has that. His um, his brother, by Dr. Fang, also out of the Kalanisi Mayor, he was also a miler. Um, the, the pedigree, as I say, yeah, Sindar is there in the third down, but Kalanisi himself won the Queen Anne mm. over a mile at Royal Ascot. So it's... It's it, it seems to be and there's under the second um there's um Paddy Toomey had a group one, uh, group three winner, Sanela, who was third in the flying five at the Curra as well. So it's it's kind of it's an interesting pedigree in that it's a little bit back it was, you know, arc winners, but it seems to be leaning into maybe being a little bit shorter. Um so and he's such an outcross as well, you know, that any mare can suit him that way. Yeah. I think what's what's lovely is sometimes you have these stallions and they're they're by a son or they're by a sire who works really well with a certain nick, uh, with a certain line of mares, and then their sire sons are out of that line of mares and that doesn't they don't have something to work with. Whereas being out of Kalanisi mare by footsteps in the sand, you know, footsteps worked really well with a load of those Dane Hill line stands and Danzig line um, mares. So I think they, they'll fit really well. And as a physical, he's a beautiful horse, 16-1, and he, he'll, he'll suit any type of mare, really. So so I think, I think you know, as well, the small breeders like to, you know, some of them like to be quite brave and a little bit offbeat and you know they they have their traits that they hold dear and one of them is soundness and you know as you said he's not a whiz bang speedball but he was very fast and he did progress so you're not just having that two-year-old you know short window of a career when you breed to marie's diamond you're going to have the chance of having that precocious two-year-old, but also a horse to be able to compete at classic distances. Well, gi- given your own courage, I hope that he's the gift that keeps on giving for you. And um, who knows, this time next year, we might be talking about several stallions at uh, at your farm in Belliestown. Um, all the best and uh, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much, Nick. Okay, thanks to Kieran um, for his input and I wish him well with Marie's Diamond. Um, Thank you to all my guests today and particularly to Lydia for asking all the questions that hopefully I managed to <laughs> managed to get answered. <laughs> Some of which I managed to get answered, I think. Good work, Nick. Good work. I've also tried to answer the question as to what's going to happen with Monbeg Genius, who's currently favourite or amongst the favourites, depending on which list you look in, for the Randox Grand National, but might not be able to run um, mm-hmm. because he is in the ownership of uh, Michelle Moan and her husband both of whom have clearly been in the news for the wrong reasons lately and who have had their assets frozen, Lydia. That's right. This is the couple that seems to be engaged in a real-life performance art installation on how not to conduct yourself in a crisis. Um, They have... uh, The news came out last week, although apparently it seems that the um, court order obtained by the Crown Prosecution Service actually applied in December. They've had £75 million of assets frozen, that's uh, of uh, the Conservative peer Michelle Moan and her husband, Doug Barrowman. 
um, and that is under the Proceeds of Crime Act. The BHA has confirmed it's aware of this, but they're trying to sort out the ins and outs of ownership. And obviously, we've we've been here before with uh, the uh, £80 million Ford accusation uh, against John Dance, where um, the Financial Conduct Authority um, had a freezing order on £40 million of his assets, and that ended up with the uh, initially Brave Man's Game being unable to run and then his share in that horse being uh, sold. Now, uh, Monbeg Genius, who we last saw when third in the Coral um, Gold Cup, uh, formerly the Hennessy, for those people still trying to navigate the season, um, he ran really well there. Uh, there's been a, a couple of occasions for him to run this season, but he was pulled out of the Welsh Grand National over Christmas and also out of Warwick's classic chase with John Jorinil, his trainer, saying he wasn't right. This horse was bought for £80,000 by Moan in November 2020, reportedly as a second wedding present for her husband. But Moan and Barrowman, as you've just touched upon, have been the subject of intense media scrutiny and an investigation by the National Crime Agency over their links to the company PPE MedPro that was awarded a government contracts worth uh, 202 million during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the government's initiated proceedings to recover 122 million plus costs from PPE Medro after some of the equipment supplied fell below the required standard. The couple have been strongly denying any kind of wrongdoing. So uh, there is a question mark about whether Monbeg Genius, who is available at prices between 14 to 1 and 20 to 1, for the Grand National and would have a good chance, a talented horse, uh, whether this horse will be able to run. Because you would assume, if you look at you know when he was bought yeah. and his then and what he's done since, that that horse is now worth more than he was than he was worth when he was bought. Absolutely, I've been having a bit of a poke around, and I am told fairly reliably that the the ownership is quite complicated. I don't suppose right. that's going to surprise anybody, uh, but the ownership is is sufficiently complicated that it needs. Um, unpicking was the word right. that uh, was the word that was um, um, put to me. So, anyway, we will see how that unfolds. Have you got something for me for today? Uh, yes, just to to sort of bring this this whole podcast full circle. Um, I'm really interested in Hermes uh, Allen in the in the Silly Isles on Saturday. He's eleven to four favourite at the moment. Who knows the Emmett Mellon's uh, factor uh, with Corbett's cross running in the race? There's potential for him to drift. So I'll be um, watching his price. I wouldn't be uh, taking a position now, but I think he'll win the Silly Isles on Saturday. Hermes Allen. I was really impressed with his defeat against Ile Francais, uh, which obviously implies what I think of Ile Francais. So Paul Nichols with a high-class problem shuffling his pack of novices. All we've got to worry about is getting this podcast back on air again tomorrow. Thank you very much for listening. That was Tuesday, the 30th of January. We're nearly there. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.